Amen. Thank you, Miss Jamie. What a uh, very true and powerful uh, song uh, that is, and a great reminder for us. Uh, we talked about this even on Wednesday, if you weren't here in the book of Philippians. Uh, I think too many of us in our Christian life have equated God's love is dependent on our behavior. Uh, God loved you when you were nothing. And there's nothing you're going to do to merit His, His love and His favor. Just simply enjoy being His child. Um, Paul said what constrained him was the love of God. Paul wasn't trying to earn God's love. He was just enjoying God's love. And uh, boy, it's a great reminder. I think some of us are miserable in our Christian life because we think, well, I'm not good enough, so God doesn't love me. God loves you just the way you are right now. And uh, you're struggling with sin. He wants to forgive you and help you move on past that and do right. And uh, boy... It's an encouraging thought. So, well, we're continuing on with this idea of faith. Uh, we've been dealing with that pretty much all year, and we finished in Hebrews 11, and now we're just doing samples from all over the Bible of examples of faith and things that are helpful about faith. And so, we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy here this morning in chapter number 32. Deuteronomy in chapter number 32. I'm excited about uh, this evening. I hope you'll make plans to be here. Uh, if it's maybe not in your habit to be here on Sunday night, I really encourage you to be here. We're starting a new series tonight uh, called Dollar and Cents. So we're going to deal with uh, finances. And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about money management, good stewardship, giving, uh, investing, all that stuff. And uh, I'm excited about getting into it and talking about what the Bible has to say. Uh, it's not an infomercial. It's not a browbeaten sermon every week about giving give or else. Okay, that's not... But we do believe the Bible has some things to say about finances, just like he has to say about any other area. And uh, I believe there's some wonderful principles that'll be a help to you. And uh, they've been a help to me in my life. I'm very thankful for a, a godly father and good influences that are out there, good books that have been written. And I'm just very excited about opening God's Word here tonight. So I hope you'll be here uh, ready to go for that new series at 6.30 this evening. It's going to be a blessing. All right. hope you found your place there in Deuteronomy 32. If you have and you're able to, stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. Deuteronomy in chapter number 32. And uh, we're really going to be dealing with the whole chapter. For those who just stood and said, oh, I shouldn't have stood up for this. Um, we're only going to read one verse, though. There comes that breath, the sigh of relief, right? Okay, so Deuteronomy 32, we're just going to read verse number 20. That's really going to be our text, but I want to get it in context of all of chapter number 32. So we'll be referencing the chapter, so keep your Bible open and ready there. Uh, but we're just going to read Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 20. He says this, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. What a testimony. This is a song of Moses, and he's talking about the children of Israel. And his summary of them was this. They're forward, perverse, and they have no faith. May God help us not to be faithless, but to be faithful. So may God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. And thank you for standing in honor of the scriptures here this morning. Okay, rhetorical question. Okay, has God in His Word 
ask our church to do anything? You got it? Okay, here's the next question. Ready? Rhetorical. All right. Has God in His Word told you to do anything? Okay, so hopefully you're responding in your mind with this answer. Yes, the affirmative, right? Because God in His Word has been relatively clear on the matter about not only your life, but also the collection of all of us together as a New Testament church in Bridgeport, Texas, that there are some things that we are to be doing. There are some activities that we are to engage in, and there are some things that we ought to be doing. Now, we kind of could take time and even just dig into it, um, but, but... you know, for sake of time, I don't really want to dig into all these things of you should be doing this and you should be doing this and we should be doing this. But come on now, we, we understand if you read through the scriptures, there are many things that are not suggestions. They are commands of God and God has asked upon us in faith and obedience to do them. And, and, and they're really, honestly, there's a lot of things that are not confusing or complicated but yet, oftentimes, we fail to do them. We struggle with them. That's our sinful, selfish nature getting in the way Amen. over and over again. But if you're a disciple of Christ here this morning, and, and if we're going to be a true New Testament church, okay, let's just be real transparent about this. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, and Bible Baptist Church is going to be a Bible-believing New Testament church, the way that God has called us to be, then you cannot escape that if you read from cover to cover through this book, that it is full of instruction and full of commands that we must do. You just can't get away from that. Now, if we want to, we can ignore them. But then we would say this, we may be saved, but are we truly disciples? I mean, can we honestly say that? If somebody says, well, listen, I'm going to pick and choose. I want to do this, but I don't want to do this. And I like this too much, so I'm going to keep doing this even though God said not to. And I'm not going to do this because of my personality. Or I'm not going to do this because it's too difficult. Or because I wasn't raised that way. Or that's not my temperament. Right? Come on now. I mean, again, we can start hashing through some of these things. Well, well, I can't, I can't lead someone to the Lord. I can't share my faith because I, I'm, I'm scared to. Well, welcome to the club! <laughs> It's terrifying to share your faith with somebody. I've been saved since I was a little kid, won a lot of people to the Lord, and every single time, shaking in my boots. It's a scary thing to talk to someone about the Lord. Now, again, we can go through a lot of examples of the Christian faith, but all I'm saying is, is if we're going to be disciples of the Lord, pupils of Christ, I say this, I want to not only read and understand, but I want to obey. If we're truly going to say that, then we cannot escape from the reality that there are some things in this book that God is very clear on the matters and saying, you must do this. You need to do this. As a New Testament church, if we're going to say, hey, we are a Bible-believing, a Bible-preaching, New Testament church, the way that God is called, then there are some things in this book that we just can't escape from. Amen. Well, the culture's not moving in that direction. Come on, has the culture ever been intuitive 
to gospel living and gospel preaching? <laughs> the culture has always been against it. This book is very countercultural. It doesn't matter what culture you go to. Well, the cultural trends are moving in another direction. So we need to decide that there are some things that just aren't culturally appropriate anymore in God's Word. Well, I'm telling you now, there's some things that you're just not going to be able to escape from. If we're going to be true to the Word of God and true to the God of the Word, then there's some things that we have to do regardless of what the cultural trend is. And there's some things that we must abide by even if there are those maybe who wind up not coming and being part of the church that we would love to see come be a part of the church. What I'm saying here is this morning is there are some things that simply must be done by faith. So the question arises, why would a disciple or why would a New Testament church neglect to do things that God has clearly outlined in His Word? Well, lack of faith. When it ultimately boils down to the brass tacks, it comes to this simple truth. Faith. Moses here in this particular chapter, a beautiful chapter, I wish we could take time and just kind of flesh out every single verse. But y'all want lunch, and I understand that. And so we're going to do the, the, the flyover, right? But this beautiful chapter, Moses deals with this. There's a generation God wanted to do some amazing things with. But because of their lack of faith, they missed out. Did you know there's some history of faith in the children of Israel? And I'm sure they were looking back and they were saying, well, man, Abraham was a great man of faith. Abraham was a great man of faith. But I'll tell you this, they couldn't live off the faith of their patriarch. They couldn't live off the faith of their parents and their grandparents. And here this morning, I'm thankful for the history of Bible Baptist Church. I'm thankful for all the sacrifices and all the faith that's happened for the 75 plus years that this church has been around. Almost 78 now this year. But I will say this, that faith isn't good enough for now. We need our faith today. We can't rely on the faith of the past and say, well, it was good for them and so I don't have to do anything. No, if it was good for them, it's good for us. And, and there was a generation that lived by faith here in Bridgeport, and there needs to be a generation today that's going to live by faith here in Bridgeport. Amen. So the, the cry here for you this morning is this. We're living in a day of faithless people. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Have faith in a faithless day. Be people of faith. Let's be the right kind of church. Let's be a disciple of Christ in a day in which people are saying, I don't care what it says. Let us be people that say, I care, and I'm going to obey what God has called me to do. Faith in a faithless day. So let me give you a little bit of context about what we're dealing with here in this particular passage of Scripture. So this, is, this chapter, Deuteronomy 32, is known as Moses' Song. You didn't know Moses was a songwriter, did you? He actually wrote a few of them. Psalm 90 is another one. That's a song that Moses wrote. And so here we have Moses, and this is a weird chapter. It's poetry, it's a song, but it's nestled in a book of uh, laws and instructions and uh, stories, right? So this is a, a weird setup of how this is. But nestled in this story of Deuteronomy, you have Deuteronomy 32, and here Moses is singing or giving this song of remembrance and encouragement for the future, which is really a great way to define what the whole book of Deuteronomy is all about. 
The book of Deuteronomy, you'll remember there was a generation that refused to obey God and go into the promised land. Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. I love the little kid songs. They help us out so much. You have to get your ears so you have twelve. So twelve men went to spy in Canaan, right? They believed the ten. It's a good reminder. The majority is not always right. Okay, ten were bad. They had a false report. And two believed God and said, let's take the land, Joshua and Caleb. The people believed the bad report and they refused by faith to go into the land. They said, we don't believe God, we'd rather believe these guys. Ugh. And so because of that, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And God told them, everyone who's 20 years of age and older is going to die in the wilderness. Now that period of time is almost coming to a close when Moses sits down and he pens Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy might read a lot like the book of Exodus and Leviticus because he comes in and he gives the law over again. And the book of Deuteronomy is this. There's a generation that failed. You need to succeed. And Deuteronomy is an encouragement for a new generation to obey by faith. And so it's so fitting that you have this beautiful poetry that Moses writes in Deuteronomy 32, which is this encouragement. Let's look at the past failure, but let's be encouraged of hopeful future success. It hinges on this idea of faith. So be faithful, not faithless. So that's what Deuteronomy 32 really breaks down to. Verses 1 through 3 is more of an introduction. Uh, the introduction is this. God is super good. He is great. So we ought to listen. That's really Moses' introduction in this song is simply this. He says, he's really, really good. He's awesome. He's great. So listen, pay attention. There's some good things that are going to be said about our God. Moses captures the attention of the people and he demands their adherence to what is about to be presented solely on the basis of this. It's God who's saying it. Well, let me encourage this. When God speaks, we should listen. When God speaks, we should listen. We should open our ears and receive what he's about to give us. Every time God's word is open, whether it's you reading the word or whether it's the declaration of the word of God being preached, we ought to open our ears and truly not only hear what's being said, but let it go past our ears down into our heart and listen. Not because of who's preaching and not because it's a, a, a habitual thing that ought to be a part of our life to read the word, but because the God of the word is worthy to be listened to. Some of you husbands, you get in trouble like me sometimes because your wife starts talking and you forgot to start listening, right? I'll tell you this right now. I love my wife and she is worthy of me listening to when she's talking. Amen. So much more, God. And he speaks. He is worthy of us listening. He is so good. So after the introduction, verses 4 through 18 deals with faithfulness of God but the faithlessness of Israel. Simply this, God was really good, but Israel still rejected him. God showed himself faithful, but Israel still doubted him. And so these verses really re rehash that. Verse 4 just talks about how amazing our God is. Verse 5 talks about how God's people tend towards wickedness, particularly in their generation. He said there was a wicked and a perverse generation, an ungodly generation. Well, that's where we're living right now. We're living in a generation that by and large is denying the Lord Jesus Christ 
and there's a people who are tending away from righteousness. Verse 6 talks about to requit the Lord. He uses that language there, which simply means this, to reject his kindness. To requit simply means, I don't want it, no thanks. So here's God being awesome, and here's the children of Israel saying, well, we don't like what you have to offer. We'd rather go a different direction. The faithlessness. Verses 7 through 13, they're called to remember their rich heritage and all that God had done for them. We start rehashing the, the children of Israel and their history, and you see wonderful blessings that God has done. God blessed them, but the more God blessed them, the more they sought after other gods and the more they sought after their own fleshy desires. Now, just kind of stop here and, and, and again, just develop this idea a little bit. In these first chunk of these verses, he's just laying the groundwork and he's saying this. God has never stopped being who he is. He's always good. He's always gracious. He's always been benevolent to you. Come on, when the children of Israel were nobody, he went and picked Abraham. He picked a, a guy who was a nobody and picked him to be a stranger and a sojourner. And he chose out a nation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob... Even with Moses and the children of Israel coming out, the, the plagues on Egypt, the sea being parted, turning bitter water sweet, providing water in the desert through a rock, sending manna from heaven, quail that they ate that got so sick of eating it's running out their nose. What does that mean? I don't know, but it's a pretty graphic imagery of having too much food. Our God's pretty awesome to do all those things for Israel. And yet the more God provided for them, the more Israel said... Well, God, you're not really good enough. The more God was good, the more they said, we want other gods. The more God blessed them, the more they said, well, these blessings must be coming from other sources. And it's really easy for us to stand aloof and say, those children of Israel, they're so shameful. They're dirty, rotten scoundrels. And yet in our own life, we do the same thing so often. God provides us with blessing after blessing after blessing. And then we go pursuing after everything but Him. God provides rich things in our life that are so wonderful and they're so good. And we go, look what I did. Mm. Come on, let's sink in just for a second. We can be really hard on the children of Israel. And we can say, how could they ever reject God? And how could they ever attribute His goodness and His blessings to these idols and these false gods? And here we are many times doing the same thing. And we're saying, look how hard I work to earn this. And, and, and look how uh, much of a blessing it is that I'm able to do this. And, and that I have these blessings. Look, if not for the grace and goodness of God, we wouldn't have any of those things. And it's by God's mercies that we are not consumed. And God is so rich and so gracious to us on a daily basis. And we fall into the trap sometimes of the children of Israel where the goodness of God gets washed out because we, our eyes are averted and we're looking at everything else. And he says, children of Israel, I want you to remind you of something. God never stopped being God. He never stopped being good. And even when you were in rebellion, he didn't let your shoes wear out. He provided food for you. He provided for you and cared for you and loved you. I'm so grateful for a God who is loving and gracious and caring on us, even when we are so undeserving of it. So you notice Moses is just drawing a, a very vivid picture here. It wasn't God who moved, you did. That's right. So then he goes to verse 19 and 20, which is really kind of the crux of where we're wanting to get here this morning. And, and he deals with this idea, why would they do that? Why, why would they have such a good and awesome God and yet 
attribute the goodness to other things and go after other things. Why would they do that? Well, verse 19 and 20 gives the reason why they were misbehaving. And that's why God is going to judge them for their misbehavior. So verses 19 and, and the first part of verse number 20, it talks about God needing to judge his people. Um, one of my least favorite things to do as a parent, I, honestly, I don't wake up in the morning and just go, oh, I can't wait to spank my kids today. I know sometimes it might seem that way, right, you know? But I'm telling you, me and Evie don't wake up in the morning and go, Woo, another day of whoopings, you know, giving each other high fives and stuff and really excited about it. Actually, it's a grievous thing as a parent to have to do that. Amen. If you do it in the right way and it's not out of anger and frustration, but why, why do we chasten our kids, right? Why do we reprove them, words, correct them? And why do we rebuke them? Right? Why, why do we give the rod and give them spank? Why do we do those things? Because we love them. That's why. And the behavior that they've exhibited, we say this, it's not good for you. It's not good for you to have that anger. It's not good for you to have that resentment and bitterness. It's not good for you to uh, allow yourself to, to un go uncontrollable and lash out at your brother or sister and just wail on them. Right? Those aren't good behaviors, so we want to help you submit to our earthly authority so that one day you can submit to your heavenly authority, God. Amen. Right? We, we want to help them understand that. And so because of our love for them, not because of our love of punishment, well, yeah, I get to spank them again. Woo! Right? That's weird, right? If you have that problem, there's an altar here this morning. <laughs> but say this, because I love them, I spank them. That's why I do that. But we'll say this, the Lord loves us too much to leave us where we are. Amen. So the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And he does it be times. That's a good King James word that simply means this. He doesn't count to three. Amen. Be times means you do it and he goes, let's deal with that right now. That's a good way to do parenting right there too. Do it be times right away, right? I'll we'll say this, God loves us so much that he says this, I'm not willing to let you stay where you are. I, I love you so much that I see an, a, a bad attitude and incorrect behavior, and I, I, know, what I, want, I, I know what God wants you to be. And, and so he's given us this tool of, of, of talking to you and communicating why that's wrong and helping you understand what's the right thing to do. And then if there's still misbehavior, to apply the rod to the seat to help them understand what was wrong and learn to do better. And, and I'm telling you, God does the same for us because of his great love. So I'll say this. Does it mean every time something bad happens in your life, God's judging you? Not necessarily. Come on. We know the story of Job, right? Job was a man who feared God and, and hated evil and did right. And God allowed some really bad things to happen in his life to make him a better believer. Not because he had done something wrong, but because God was trying to make him better. Now, in our life, sometimes bad things happen not because of sin... But just because bad things happen, because we live in a broken and a fallen world and we live broken and sinful bodies. Now, there are times, though, where God just loves us so much, he says, mm, yeah, we don't want that behavior anymore. So, uh... And sometimes when we are going through trials and difficulties and punishments, it might be good if we just kind of pause for a moment and pull a Psalm 139. 
Search me, O God. Amen. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Right? Let's get this cleaned up and get this taken care of because God loves you too much to leave you where... So here's this. God says, Israel, I have judged you with 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Not because I'm evil, not because I'm vindictive, not because I just enjoy punishing, but because I love you too much to leave you where you are. I love you too much to provide all these blessings and for you to go uh, after hard after all these idols and these false gods. I, I love you too much to have all these good things that I want to give you, but you reject those in favor of the cesspools of the world. Can I tell you here this morning, God loves you too much to let you continue in sin and disobedience. The Lord knows how to get our attention. Amen. He really does. And when we, God wants us to be disciples, and when we move in the opposite direction of that, God knows how to chasten us to redirect our mind and our attention to get it back on the Lord. What one of us as a child of God doesn't have something bad happen in our life and our first instinct isn't to hit our knees? Amen. Being really honest with you, there are times where everything's wonderful and it's good. And it's during those wonderful and good times that it becomes easy to forget about the goodness of God and His blessings. And then something bad happens. Money gets tight. Sickness happens. Right? problems with a child, issues come up, and then at that moment we go, God, I need you. I feel the need of you. I, I, I need you so bad. And God allows sometimes these moments of, uh, of chastisement, these moments of these problems in our life so that we start to say this, why am I pursuing after entertainment? And why am I pursuing after the world? And why am I pursuing after relationships when really what I need is the Lord Jesus Christ? He really is the source of all these blessings and these wonderful things in my life. So he says there in verse number 19, uh, Israel, I love you too much to not spank you. I love you too much not to give you punishment. So he says this, uh, I'm not just going to give you discipline because I'm angry. I want you to understand what's been done wrong so that you might correct that which has been done wrong. So at the end of verse number 20 and verse number 21, he gives an explanation of their sin. He calls them a forward generation. It simply means this, that they were full of sin. Forward means with high-handedness. It simply means he's, they, they did sin and they did it with a high hand. They weren't shameful. They weren't bashful about it. They just walking around like, look what I did. I did that with strong forward. They possessed no faith, which is really a big part of what we're going to deal with here at the end of verse number 20. They didn't act on what God told them to do. Instead, they were doing many times the exact opposite of what God had asked them to do. Faith, believing what God has said enough to act upon it. They did the exact opposite. Verse number 21, they moved God to jealousy. Well, this isn't a bad jealousy that our God has. They pursued after false gods. Because of it, God says, I love you too much to let you go after deaf and dumb and mute gods who can't help you at all. So, he mentions this, that they had been vain they were doing religious activity, but it had no meaning. It had no depth. They were just going to the vein simply means it's empty. There's no value. There's no worth to it. What they were doing, they were doing what they were supposed to at times, and yet it had no meaning. It had no depth to them. They were vain. Verses 22 through 34 further explain about God's judgment, about what he's going to do to help them move in the right direction. 
And then I'm so thankful for verses 34 through verse number 42, where God talks about how he wants to be compassionate and he wants to be loving. And the whole reason he's doing this is because he wants to bring them back to him. He loves them too much. And he says, I want you back and I have compassion for you. Now, in the midst of this beautiful song, okay, we kind of given an overview. We flew the plane over, okay? Study it out for yourself. There's a lot of great stuff in there. But in the midst of this overview of this, this beautiful song, I hope you noticed in verse number 20 that Moses presents one of the major reasons for God's judgment was that they were children in whom is no faith. Children who would not simply do what God had called them to do. So, we already pointed this out, but I just want to direct our attention to it. The children of Israel had a rich history of faith. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. I mean, come on now, we, we could list off more. Moses, those are great examples. Heroes of the faith. People who in whom was great faith. Not just a little bit of faith, great faith. Wonderful examples. But here's a generation that, according to God's word, it says this, Children in whom is little faith. Children in whom was a scrap of faith. No, children in whom was no faith. The, the testimony that is given here by God on this generation was this. They lacked faith altogether. It was absent from their lives. And what a dangerous thing it was. They had a pedigree and they had a history of faith. But here's the thing. God says, your parents' faith is not good enough. You too must have faith. I'm so thankful you come from a background of faith. I'm so grateful that you had a great-grandfather and a grandfather and, and a father and a mother that loved the Lord. But their faith is not good enough. You must have faith. Unfortunately, we're living in a time right now, I've, I've noticed the decline in this way, where there's families who, it should be a multi-generational thing, where you have a great-grandparent and a parent uh, a grandparent and a parent and a child and their children all in church and loving the Lord. And yet it seems like there's a lot of older generation where the younger generation has said this, that was good for you, but it's not for me. They sit back and they say, they had faith, but I won't. Moses here, he's pointing out and he's saying, listen, the children of Israel have no faith. When God spoke, instead of simply believing what He said, they questioned Him. We can see time and time again where Israel, for this generation that wandered in the wilderness, behaved faithlessly. Absolutely had no faith. But again, how often do we become faithless? How often? It's 2023. And uh, we understand God has told us to do some things in His Word, right? We're pretty, we already talked about that, reading the Scriptures, prayer, soul winning, functioning as a part of the body of Christ here in the New Testament church, finances and giving, following Him in some specific way that He's revealed to you. Listen, God's Word is just littered with things that we should be doing. So the question here this morning is simply this, will you have faith? In God. That is ultimately what it boils down to. Because we know there's some things that God has instructed us to do. If we know them, why not act upon them? Will you have faith in God, who is so very faithful? 
Maybe a better question this morning, uh, church. Uh, let's move away from the individual part of this and talk about the church collective. We're going to land the plane. You all ready? All right, here we go. Bible Baptist Church, I am so thankful for the history of this church. Amen. I've been involved in the church now for almost two years. <laughs> 78 years of history. I think about some folks who have been here for a long time, the, the Mass and the Bakers and several others, just been here for a good long time of the history of the church and been through a lot of the ups and downs and move into this property. I know some of y'all were here even then and the sacrifices that were made in order for this property and this building to be built. And uh, I enjoy um, when Anniversary Sunday comes here in just a few weeks, pulling out some of the old picture albums and seeing some of the old uh, directories. Some of y'all looked a lot younger a few years ago. <laughs> and I, I'm so thankful for the heritage and the history of this church. Amen. And I'm so thankful for the sacrifices that have been made. But I also know this, a church who is constantly looking back is a church that will never move forward. Now, again, I'm so thankful for our heritage. I'm so thankful for our history. I, I never want to forget, nor do I want to move away from that. It, what a bedrock to build upon. I'm so thankful there are those, who say it this way, who looked ahead to this time and knew they weren't going to be here but they sacrificed because they knew they wanted a New Testament church for the next generation. Amen. I'm, I'm thankful for that. Amen. Listen, I, I understand I'm the pastor of the church here, but honestly, I've got very little skin in the game. What I'm saying is that there's 76 years of history before I ever got here of people who sacrificed and invested and sweat blood and tears into this place, not because of love of facility and not necessarily primarily for love of one another, but primarily for love of God. And they said this, listen, we, we know we have an amazing God who has provided all these blessings. And there's a, there's a heritage and a history here at Bible Baptist Church of, of a church that recognizes we serve an amazing and an awesome God and He is worthy of us putting faith in Him. And there are examples of, after examples right here in this church of acts of faith being done. But, but listen, hey, if, if you're new to, to Bible Baptist, kind of like I am, or you've been here for a long time, right now it's 2123, and, and God, it's not like, well, back then we could do this. No, no, God wants us to do something today. Amen. God, God wants to see people saved and baptized, and God wants to see a church grown, and God wants to do amazing things for my generation. I want to see God do awesome things. I, 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 want, I want these young men, and I want the kids in the nursery, and I, I want the generation that's going to come after that, if the Lord tarries is coming, to have a place that's still a place where the Bible is preached and, and a place where, where good gospel songs and hymns are sung. I, I want to have a place that still, regardless of the cultural trends and the words going, says this, the word says this is things that we ought to be doing and says this is what we will do. Amen. Not because we're hard-headed, not because we're old-fashioned, but because God's word declares it. It would be true and solid on the word of God. I want to see a church that, like we've got here, it's just so wonderful, multi-generational. Seeing folks that are, that are old and folks that are young and everything in between and seeing them actually love each other Amen. and care about one another. That's a blessing. That's awesome to see. Listen, if we want to see that, God has outlined in His Word. That's what a New Testament church is supposed to look like. But here's the thing. Let us never move away from faith in God. God has some amazing things I think He wants to do right here in this place in the years to come. 
So let us learn from the generation behind us and learn from the Word of God who say this. As God begins to open doors and as God begins to work and as God begins to move, simply say this. Let's have faith in Him because He's good and He's benevolent. And let's never get our eyes off on, well, what's the trends? Well, what can we do to spice it up a little bit? What can we do to get the younger generation? No, no. Everything we need is right here in this book. Preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. This is it right here. The Word. I'll tell you right now, Bible Baptist Church might not be a church that's got all the bells and whistles. You might not have the coolest and fanciest facilities. You might not have the hippest preacher. (laughs) Don't laugh at that. (laughs) But I will say this. I want our church to have a testimony of this. It's a place where if you want to hear the truth, you can go and hear the truth of the Word of God. Amen. You want a place where you raise your family and they'll hear the Word of God preached day in and day out from nursery, elementary age all the way up through? We're not trying to be fluffy or cute. We're just trying to preach the Word of God and declare what's true and be sincere and love people and be a New Testament church the way He designed a New Testament church to be. That's what I want a church to be. So what does that look like? Faith. Faith. Well, you know, the, the recent surveys are saying, well, what does God's Word say? Yeah, that's right. Well, the new guru in his book said, well, what does God's Word say? That's right. Well, I, I don't know, preacher. We've been looking at the, the, the finances or we've been looking at this and, and I, I don't know. What, what, what does God's Word say? Amen. Simply just have faith in God. Be wise as serpent, harmless as doves, and simply move forward for the cause of Christ. Listen, I, I know this is, I'm not trying to twist or contort anything here. I'm so excited about looking forward into the future, about possibly building the, the gymnasium and some of the facilities. I'm excited about talking to you all about that on October 1st. I'm really looking forward to that. I'll say this. It's, it's a concern on my heart of saying this. You know, you know what's happening with building costs? They're getting cheaper, right? <laughs> Everything seems like it's expensive right now. And, and as God grows and builds our church, we say this, well, God keeps growing the, the, the cost of everything, too. It's just the world we're living in right now. But I also understand this. If, if God really is moving and God really wants to accomplish that, God can do what God Amen. only can do. And I'm not trying to be prideful or boastful in this. And I want to be wise. We're not talking about being, doing something dumb. But we're saying this. If we just believe God wants a place generations from now, if he tarries his coming, a place that'll still be a Bible preaching and a place where people can come and hear the truth, then let's have a mindset to say God's not done and it's not us for no more and we're just going to survive till Jesus comes. No, let's move forward like a mighty marching army. Let Bible Baptist Church continue to grow and thrive and be everything God intended it to be. Well, how's that happen? By faith. If God has said it, let's believe it. And by faith, live it. It's good in your life. That's good in my life. And it's good collectively for Bible Baptist Church. Let us be a people of faith in a faithless day. No one else might be living by faith. I don't want to be like too dogmatic about that. I know there's people who are living by faith. But even if everyone else falls by the wayside, let us be a people of faith. Father, we thank you for your goodness here this morning. Father, we thank you that you work in our hearts and lives. Lord, I'm so grateful that you love us too much to leave us where we are, but you chasten us. Lord, I pray right now, if Bible Baptist Church ever ceases to be what it ought to be, 
that you will chasten us and you will move us back to what we ought to be. Lord, I pray you would give us faith. Lord, you said that you could do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even think about. Lord, I believe you've got some amazing things for people in this church. There's some individuals that are sitting in Bible Baptist Church right now. Maybe it's the first time they've been here. Maybe they've been in this church for decades. But Lord, you're speaking to them right now. And through your word, you have shown them and convinced them that they need to live by faith. Lord, I believe that you've got some amazing things. I believe there's an individual in here who's never led someone to the Lord that in the next few weeks could lead their first soul to Christ. They would just act by faith. I think there's some people here this morning maybe struggling with their finances. and Lord, that they could come even tonight and hear about what you desire of us in the area of finances. And Lord, that months from now they could have a lot of things cleared up and straightened up by simply applying the principles of the Word of God to their life. Lord, there's a marriage that might be on the rocks here this morning struggling, Lord, by faith that they would simply do what you've asked them to do. Lord, there's so many things. But Lord, collectively as a church, I'm praying that you would help me as the pastor to help lead this church to be a church of faith. Faith in our missions, faith in our soul winning, faith in our preaching, faith in our ministries, faith in our finances, in every area, help Bible Baptist Church to be a church of the book and a church of faith. And so, Father, may you bless us only you can during this invitation. For it's in your name we do pray. Let's all stand together.